1: Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals. all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.
0: Welcome to the Maccas Run with Sam Hargraves. With special sauce and juicy beef, grab the one and only Big Mac at Maccas today. Welcome to the Maccas Run. Jordan Kanellis with you this evening on a Monday night. Good to be in your company on SEN. All for Maccas, try classic Angus at Maccas today. What a weekend of football. Was that one of the best rounds of footy this season? Is it the number one best round of football this season? We had a draw on Friday night. The best team in the league overcame a tussle at the Adelaide Oval on Saturday. Two tough Saturday night contests A goal after the siren on Sunday, a slew of goal of the year and mark of the year nominations and some significant shuffling on the ladder. Plus, in the broader world of sport, the Tour de France came to its conclusion. We had more drama in the Formula One this morning. The Boomers secured a trophy in Asia and more gold for Australia at the World Athletics Championships. There was a heap to get into, and I'd love to get your thoughts on what you took away from the weekend of sport. On the temper text, a mattress like no other, 0 4 98 and you can give us a call on the Harcourts open line. Your move, your Harcourts. Who doesn't love a kick after the siren to win the game? Jamie Elliott earned the pies there. Ninth win in a row. Their sixth win of those nine by a single-digit margin and their first win from a kick after the siren since Chris Tarrant did it back in 2003 to beat Adelaide at uh, Football Park by five points. For half of that match on Sunday, yesterday, Collingwood, they were the inferior team. So they started six goals to zero in the first quarter. They were up, but that was rubbed out by the Bombers. Ten goals to two swing in the middle two quarters. And then it was two goals each from Jamie Elliott and the sub Josh Carmichael in the last term to get them over the line. The Pies and the Bombers, they rarely play a bad one. There's only been a couple over the last couple of years. Anzac Day is normally a belter, and then the second game of the season later in the year has always been pretty good as well. The sub, Josh Carmichael, he was immense coming on in the last quarter. His fresh legs inside 50 was invaluable in an exhausting and frenetic game like that. But fresh legs were just one element of his performance. More impressive was his composure in front of goal. His defensive efforts in the game as well, I thought, were exemplary. His ability to instantly match the intensity of the game as well, which is incredibly hard to do when you've been thrust into a game like that in the in the last quarter. But he came on and he matched it well. And then to be the guy for the clutch plays, he was, uh, he was exceptional at the very end. It was hard to pick who Collingwood's best was on the day. Their role players shone in the moments at Collingwood with the team on top. Josh Dakos's game was highlighted by his ridiculous running goal in the pocket, but his efforts elsewhere around on the wings were great. Nathan Murphy, I thought, was the perfect right-hand man to Darcy Moore in defence. And Darcy Cameron might not mark everything, but he competes in the air and brings the ground players in. And Ash Johnson was more than just a role player in the first quarter. A young man in his second game of footy, and he bobbed up with three goals in the first term. And he was involved in some pivotal link plays, which led to some scores at the death. When Jamie Elliott took the mark at the end of the game, I think we all instantly knew it would be an incredibly tough set shot to score from. I thought he'd have to kick it before the siren sounded because as he he marked that in the left half-forward flank, I saw there was 36 seconds to go on the clock. So I thought that the shot clock and the game clock would be misaligned and he'd have to kick it before the siren. Evidently, the shot clock took its time turning on. The other thought I had was my head went straight to Richmond. And when Jamie Elliott marked that footy, I thought of Richmond's recent blunders in their last couple of games and how their lack of composure has cost them results. Jamie Elliott has a wise head on his shoulders and lots of footy experience. He knew he had to take that shot and he hit it perfectly. I was lucky enough to be on that call and Brett Phillips is one of my favourite co-commentators to work with. We've got to go coast to coast. We're inside the last minute penalty. Quickly to Murphy. Over the top to Bianco. They've already got it to the wing, the Pies. The inside 50 kick. Elliot back with a flight in between two. Bummers has marked it. In the blink of an eye, Collingwood got it inside 50. They couldn't win another close one, could they, the Pies? Jamie Elliot to win the game for Collingwood. Siren sounds past 50. Just inside the boundary line. What a kick! Collingwood have done it again! unbelievable you would never believe it in a million years they've won another close one 98 1116 off the temper texts. You can send them through, or give us a call one 736, 736 on the Harcourts open line for all things real estate. Speak to Harcourts. What were the best parts of the weekend from you? We always do the uh, the best bits, best bits and worst bits. We do in the uh, in the first half hour on a Monday night. Uh, I don't know if there are any if there were any worst bits. I mean, there was there were bad bits. There was you know still well there were eight teams who I was going to say nine. There were eight teams who lost on the weekend. Two had a draw. Uh, we can do some of the worst bits as well if you want to send some of those through. But the best bits to start us off. Let's start on a good note because it was one of the uh, one of the best rounds of football we've had in a while. Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. If you'd like to send those through, so this run from the Pies has them in the top four. This time last week, I said why not consider the Pies? Why not consider them for a deep run in the finals? Why not consider them? I heard someone say on the weekend, just a a friend, that they would be maybe their smoky for the grand final. Why wouldn't that happen? The only reason we might not consider Collingwood, and not to dampen their performance or to dampen the spirits of Pies fans uh, in the overglow of yesterday's game, uh, or to diminish their string of wins, and let me stress this first. In this run of nine wins, they've defeated Fremantle, Carlton, Melbourne, and a pretty solid Gold Coast team. Three of these nine wins have been interstate as well, so they've had to do it home and away. However, their last five games has seen them let the Giants back in the game in the last quarter in Round 15. They snared a late win against Gold Coast the following week. They were down by four goals against North Melbourne. They came from behind against Adelaide and they trailed the Bombers by 20 points in the last quarter yesterday. For all of their goods to dig deep and to pull those results from the ashes, against better teams, they might have been put to the sword and lost those results earlier in the contest. Against the best... The going gets tough in finals. It's pretty brutal out there and you can't afford to flirt in September. It's the only thing, the only thing. But I won't try and dampen Collingwood spirits too much with that negativity. Enjoy the win in the meantime, Pies fans. On the Bombers... Things are coming together. During the game, I, uh, I looked down at their quarter-time huddle and I saw Daniel Syracuse, Blake Carousella, and Dale Tapping talking to their lines. They're the assistant coaches of the defence, the midfield and the forward line. I wondered how a team with three of the best assistants in the game, they've all been highly rated throughout their assistant coaching careers when they were at different clubs and now all together at Essendon. I wondered how a team with three of the best coaches, one of the best coaching panels really in the game with a young head coach, Uh, Could have had such a poor start to the season. This recent run of form might only paper over the cracks in the eyes of some people, but wins are wins and good performances are good performances and you cannot deny that. There are still some gaps to fill in this team. I'd suggest that maybe a key defender is still in need. Maybe another mid-sized defender as well. Uh, Someone, a lockdown kind of defender. They partly addressed that with Jake Kelly in the off-season who's been good. Maybe another key forward as well. Is Harry Jones a second tall forward or is he a third tall forward? Does that mean they bring in someone else? But nonetheless, the pieces are coming together. I thought Dylan Shield was effective. His second half of the season has been pretty good. Peter Wright was good for three goals. Andrew Phillips had a solid game, I thought, through the air, being the second ruckman to Draper. Threw himself in the forward line, took some contested grabs uh, in the second and third term. I feel like Zerk Thatcher is slowly coming along as a key back. Ben Hobbs is going to be a star. He would always be the first man at the ground footy uh, for the Bombers. This is a kid playing game number... 10 or 12 or 15, whatever it is now. Uh, Sam Durham on the wings and Jai Caldwell is embedding himself in the team. Things are coming together for the Bombers. Yes, it'll be sour. I saw some pretty, um, uh, well, Jared does his snap judgments on a Monday. It's, I guess you could throw this into that category, but I saw some social media posts on the weekend that were pretty uh, exaggerated and over-the-top reactions from Essendon supporters, but that's I guess that's part and parcel of losing a game after the siren against uh, an arch rival in a heavyweight game. Elsewhere around the league, the Western Bulldogs have put themselves in the best position to make the eight. Talk about clutch wins. That was immense from the Dogs. They inflicted the heaviest score the Demons have conceded since around, 9, 29, around 19, 2019. That's the first time the Ds have led up on 100 points since that time. All the focus was on Jamara Yugelhagen, but they broke Melbourne down. The Ds' mantra is defence and contests. That's what Simon Goodwin preaches every week, and Luke Beveridge broke down their defence. The Dogs registered the same amount of scoring shots as the Ds in the game, 25 each, but they also had nine more inside 50s than Melbourne. The the Dogs cut their way through the Demons better than any other team has for the last three years when you just look at those numbers. Geelong's win was significant for them to hold their billing as the top team this season. Brisbane uh, keeping touch with the rest uh, of the front runners in the league. They're still among them, uh, but it was a close run thing for a while in that game and then to some of the other matches as well around the league on the Sunday so obviously the middle game was huge but St Kilda kept themselves within touching distance they're sitting ninth at the moment and behind the Western Bulldogs on percentage and their percentage is pretty low as well St Kilda at just 103% so they have to uh, make sure they win games, they can't rely on percentage have to win the games that need to be won for them. And Carlton, well, for a little while there, that was an even match up until about half time or so against the Giants. And then they pulled away in the second half. But Carlton. They've got a two-game gap between them and the Western Bulldogs between 7th and 8th, but they don't want to be dropping any results from here to the end of the season. 0433 98 1116, if you have any thoughts off the temper text, you can give us a call, 1300 736 736, to get involved on the Harcourts open line. For what you thought the good parts were of the weekend, starting a Monday night review with the positives. We've been talking about footy all day after a great round on 1116 SEN. Uh, But the good parts from the week and the positives and any other curiosities you have from the week. And I'll get to a couple of the, the finer points on the other side of this as well. On the program tonight, Matt Rendell will join us, as he always does, on a Monday to wrap up the round of football and all the big talking points. And there were plenty of big talking points from it. And a little bit later on in the Sporting Capital after seven, we'll have Michael Laminato with us from the Box of Neutrals podcast and the F1 Strategy Report to give us a halfway report of the F1 season. There was more drama in the French Grand Prix earlier this morning with uh, Charles Leclerc, one of the championship frontrunners, crashing out of the race. And we're just past the halfway mark of the Formula One season now, 12 of the 22 races. So we'll get a halfway report with uh, Michael Laminato later on the program. The Maccas run. Jordan Canello is with you here for Maccas. Try a Classic Angus at Maccas today. We'll come back with your thoughts and some more of the broader points from round 19 of the footy on the other side of this here on SEN. Welcome to the Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves. With special sauce and juicy beef, grab the one and only Big Mac at Macca's today. Welcome back to the Macca's Run. Jordan is filling in for Sam Hargraves this week. 0433981116 to send a temper text, a mattress like no other, or you can give us a call thanks to Harcourts. Your move, your Harcourts for all things real estate. Speak to Harcourts. A couple of text messages that have come through. Uh, the the nudge, the nudge. I'll just call you a nudge. Uh, great call on the uh, on the Jamie Elliott gold uh, dead set goosebumps material. Uh, Brett Phillips was uh, he was uh, as I said one of my favourites to call alongside, and he'll be uh, on air later tonight as well. He hosts a tennis show. If you don't know, uh, you, I don't know how you would not know that if you have been listening to SEN. He's our tennis man, BP. The first serve coming up a little later on, but I'm sure he'll get a, a flurry of. AFL text messages on his tennis program tonight. So uh, don't hold back in sending your, your, uh, your praise to BP after his call of the Jamie Elliott goal yesterday. Um, uh, Wally from Mornington says, Essendon will never win a grand final with Jake Stringer goes missing in big games. I did think about Jake Stringer. There were a couple of players that just completely went missing from both sides and Stringer was one of them. He did cross my mind during the game. He popped up. So I think he did score one goal in the third quarter. And I thought about him. I saw him get a touch at some point in the last quarter, and saw he was near the ball. And I thought, where is when's he going to pop up? Because he came up with two last quarter goals in the game against Sydney a couple of weeks ago, when they won that match, and that was one of the wins that really sparked their their recent run of great form. And so I've, I was kind of waiting for that Jake Stringer moment, because he is he is the player that that pops up in those in those scenarios. However, the one thing I will say about Jake Stringer is. So that kind of player, that, that X-Factor half-forward player, the, the Bullocking player, and I know he goes into midfield and gets put around the ball as well, but if you're expecting him to play up in the forward line and bob up in the forward line and be a difference maker, it really those sorts of players rely on the team around them. So... You know, kind of a, you know, almost like Jordan DeGoey sort of player as well, who can play midfield but also can go up in the forward line and, and be a, a difference maker, X factor player in the forward line. They are the sorts of players who are enabled by their team. Cam Zerhar is another one. They don't really, they can't just change the game on their own boot. They can when it gets to them, but it needs to get to them. And that was the difference is Collingwood was winning a lot of the ball in that last quarter and Essendon's uh, centre clearance dominance, which was great in the second and third terms. And fair, where was Jake Stringer during those quarters? Because he was pretty quiet in that midst as well of their 10 goal to two run in quarters two and three. Um, But they need to be enabled as well. So Essendon wasn't really, they weren't really getting much down there. They kicked one goal in that last quarter. But good point though. I'm not disagreeing with you by any means, Wally. Big fella says, Evening Geordie, Brisbane doing the normal thing and getting over a lower team at the Gabba, but not a very impressive win in my opinion. Got no idea where we are, but no confidence uh, right at this present time, says big fella. Joe says, Collingwood's close win was, or reminds me of Hawthorne's 2016. Uh, Just got over the line on many occasions, but there's a lot of luck involved. Hawthorne's luck ran out in the finals and bombed out in straight sets. Uh, Ride the luck as much as you can. It doesn't last forever, says Joe from Roeville. And can we have a chat about the Swans, please, and their run home? Absolutely, Uh, Anonymous. So their run home coming up, the Sydney Swans, their final four games. They're sitting in sixth on the ladder right now. Uh, Their final four matches. They've got the Giants coming up this week, which is a uh, home game, so at the SCG, away at North Melbourne uh, in Round 21, Collingwood at home in Round 22, and then in Melbourne, against St Kilda in round 23. So it's a very gettable last four games for me. There might be a few stumbling blocks in there. So you would say... You'd say... They should beat North Melbourne. Uh, The Giants might be plucky for a little bit like like they were yesterday against Carlton but ultimately you'd see the better team running over the top of the of the Giants at the end of the game so that'll be Sydney against the Giants next week North Melbourne who knows North Melbourne won two weeks ago they got blitzed by Hawthorne on Saturday Collingwood will be the tough one and then St Kilda in the last round might be well who knows where where Sydney are by then they could be two more wins and one loss, let's say. Let's say they win their next two and lose against Collingwood. So they'll be... Uh, where's the ladder? They'll be 14 and 7. 14 wins should be fine to get them in the finals. It'll just be down to position by that by that point. So it might be the difference between 5th and 6th or 7th and a home final in in an elimination final. Or maybe competing for a, a spot in the top four. So it'll be a fringe thing. But Sydney's run home, I think, at least for the next two weeks. That'll put them in good stead. They would have won you know, assuming they win against the Giants next week in North Melbourne, they would have won five games in a row by round 21, so I don't think there's going to be any issues with Sydney, really. I thought Sydney were wobbling for a bit, but looking at their, their overall uh, recent sort of from halfway through the season to now, they've only lost two games, Port Adelaide and Essendon, uh, from the halfway mark of the season to now. During that run, I thought, oh, are they stumbling? But um, but Port were on a, on a good streak, Essendon have changed their form, so I wouldn't say they are uh, Dishonourable losses by any means, those two. But they've uh, they've steadied the ship and they've beaten the dogs, St Kilda and Fremantle in the last uh, month or so of football. Um, uh, a couple more text messages. I might hold those over for, uh, for after uh, we have a chat to Matt Rendell. A couple of points I want to get to. So the one main the one main talking point from the weekend uh, that was not related to anything regards wins and losses, but some of the on-field controversies. The major topic was Jack Innovan and that high-free kick. He was brought down in the first quarter by a rundown tackle from Mason Redman. Uh, I was I was actually calling that passage a play and immediately thought that was a legitimate high free kick. So I called it and I thought that's high. On the replay, and I knew that I knew that Innovan had kind of bent the knees at, at the time. I saw it happen, sort of picked it in, in fast motion. It wasn't easy to pick though. On the replay, it looks a little more obvious that Ginevan drops his knees ever so slightly, and the umpire, Matt Stevik, might have seen that at the time as well from up close. On the replay, it's a little hard to tell, but you do see the knees go just a little bit. Redmond lunges out to tackle Ginevan with his own arms at Ginevan's shoulder height, so Redmond's arms were parallel to the ground, so he wasn't lifting his arms up by any means to tackle the head. No one intends to do that but he does end up with his arms, Redmond, over and around Ginevan's neck and shoulders. Ginevan does stay mostly upright in the tackle, but was it a clear high free kick or not? So let's run the poll. This or that. Should it have been a high free kick to Ginevan? Yes or no? Yes. It should have been a high free kick. The umpire got it wrong. Or no, it wasn't a high free kick. The umpire got it right by letting the play go and it resulting in a ball up. Was it high or was it not? Jack Ginevan tackled by Mason Redman yesterday afternoon. A couple of other curiosities from the round. It was Saturday night, the coming of Jamara eugle Hagen. He was relied upon as a difference maker in the forward line when Aaron Norton was put behind the ball and came up with the winning score. Five goals in a high-scoring game, including the, that remarkable sealer from left half forward. This doesn't elevate him to immediately become the number one man in the forward line for the Western Bulldogs, not off the back of one game. But Dogs fans, having watched his development in the last two years... Do you think it's, do you think he's ready to shoulder some of this responsibility, in the final month of the season and into finals? Was well, Saturday a sign of of something imminent from Jamari Hagen? You've got a run, you're in the box seat now to finish in the top eight. You've got a, a little gap now, on your closest uh, runners in St Kilda who are level on points, but the percentage differential's huge, and uh, and on uh, on the Tigers now who are two points behind. The run home though is tough. Geelong this upcoming weekend, Fremantle the week after, which probably looks like a winnable game, or a 50-50 game anyway, given Fremantle's recent form, and then you finish with the Giants and Hawthorne, but this week is going to be huge against uh, against the Cats, whereas St Kilda have Hawthorne, which is imminently more winnable. But is it, on Jamara, is it something, or is it a sign of something to come from Jamara Hagen that he is ready, not totally ready, because he's still, he's still pretty young and Norton will be the main man going forward in that forward line, but is he more capable now, having developed a little bit with more game time, is he ready to shoulder a bit more of the load and be a um, be a be a difference maker in that forward 50? Second one is: Have Richmond blown it? Chance after chance, moment after moment, and now three weeks in a row they've let the game go with errors at the death. The last two weeks with players playing on after the siren, have they have they have they seen it away? They've got Brisbane and Port Adelaide up next. Tough games tougher opponents than the teams they've lost to in the recent couple of weeks. or Drew with Fremantle, Gold Coast and North Melbourne they they lost to. These are tough games coming up for the Tigers. And the last one, and I'll squeeze this in before our break, is the overlapping games on Saturday night. Now, I know I'm speaking from a privileged place. I'm younger. I wasn't around when the the VFL was uh, six games on a Saturday afternoon at the same time, but in this day and age of spreading games around... Having two cracking games on a Saturday night overlapping. I didn't like it. I wanted to watch both games in full. How do we change it? Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Matt Rendell to recap things after this. Welcome to the Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves. With special sauce and juicy beef, grab the one and only Big Mac at Macca's today. Jordan Canella's with you, filling in for Sam Hargraves this Monday night, recapping the round that was in round 19. Of the AFL, you can send us a text. Thanks to Temper, a mattress like no other, 981116. Just very quickly, a couple of text messages that have come through. Jamari Hagen. one hit wonder. Could have I could have kicked five goals without pressure? Says anonymous off the text. Scathing. Um, uh, another one says, uh, "Hi there, the uh, missus is a pie supporter. I was told to turn on, uh, turn on the TV or turn the TV off, but I listened to BP via Bluetooth." Uh, on the earphones, he did go, did do a great call, by the way. I couldn't will the Bombers over the line as a blue bagger and then got into trouble with the said misses because I let the kids know how I really feel about the pies. Hmm, in trouble, says Dave from Hamilton. Um, on the uh, conundrum of the Saturday night games overlapping, simple, move one Saturday night game to a Thursday every week, says Pete in Mooney Ponds. True, yes, but that would mean still get two overlapping Saturday afternoon games. Or are we are are we more happy are we happier to li- uh, live with overlapping Saturday arvo games than overlapping Saturday night games? Maybe because it's a marquee Saturday night, you want to have that one be the standalone, and then we can live with an overlapping afternoon. If you start the Saturday afternoon game at one forty-five and then the second one at two ten, then they don't overlap as much. You have sort of a clear half, at least one one side or the other, to watch a half of football in either game. Uh, and then our poll on uh, should Jack Ginevan have been paid a high free kick? Yes. Or no, he shouldn't have been. The umpire was correct in his uh, in his decision. Uh, just a, a sample of the texts that have come through. Uh, yes, 100% yes, says Alex should have been high. Yes, 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 says uh, Greg and Caulfield South, a good racehorse as well. No, says Jeff. Um, and then uh, the other one that came in was, uh, Jordan, you shouldn't be tackling at the shoulders. That's a high free kick. I think the point I was making there was he was tackling in line with, like, the bicep. Not not over the shoulder, but in line with the side of his arm, which would have been legal. If it was up above that, over the shoulder, then, yes, illegal. Um, Matt Randell in just a second. Quickly, though, John from Albert, who's called us to chat about Jack Inovan. Uh, evening to you, John. How's things? Hello, Jordan. Yourself? I'm very well, thank you. You have a thought on Jack Innovan? Good. Oh, look, um, irrespective of if it was high initially... The second movement, when he dragged him by the neck and slammed his head in the um, in the ground,
1: that at least should have been a free kick, irrespective of where the first contact was.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, that, it was it was a pretty uh, it was almost reckless, wasn't it, from oh. Redmond?
1: Oh, b- very much so, and yeah, and unfortunately, with Jack's fault or anyone else's fault, that happens more and more often um,
0: now um, to Jack. Uh, than anyone else but yeah so that that was my point yeah um it's very hard to do the first um
1: free kick because it's yeah moving a million mile an hour Mm. but the second one when you see him his hand is around his neck and drags him on his back and slams his head um with his um, his arm around the guy's neck it's just not on
0: yeah no good point thank you john Thank you, Jordan. Thank you for the call. One three hundred seven three six seven three six to get involved on the Harcourts open line. Your move, your Harcourts. Our Monday night expert is Matt Rendell. He's with us here on the Macca's run. Evening to you, Matt. How's things?
1: Good Jordan. Uh, good evening, Muddy. Yeah, uh, things are good.
0: How would you? Uh, we'll
1: start with a Ginnivan. Genuine...
0: <laughs> go it, yeah, go right ahead. What were your thoughts on it?
1: it uh, no, that gentleman was spot on before. Looker. Uh, uh, I can understand the umpire not paying uh head high free kick. He wouldn't have been sure whether he sort of he did lean into it, but it wasn't bad. Um but the frustration of uh, Redmond uh, he put him in a he put him in as good a rear naked chokehold as, as you'll see, I think Conor McGregor would have been happy with it in the UFC. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the umpire's looking straight out and I'm going, You can't be furious. Uh, he would have paid that to every other player in the competition except Genevan. So they've got a problem uh in this aspect of why he didn't pay that. And this we're talking about supposedly the best umpire in the comp. Mm. Um so um they've clearly had a discussion there. But we're not paying him anything. I don't think he's a free kick for the rest of the year. Maybe his whole career. I reckon it's $1.01 to get a free kick for anything for the rest of the year, Ginevan. <laughs> I reckon they've taken a set against him uh, for causing uh, so much consternation with the punters for the umpires <laughs> paying the free kick in the first place. So yeah, I think yeah. they make it him it pay. It's a little bit of a rare psychology there, Jordan.
0: Yeah, the, some, someone sent a text before saying uh, it's it's going to be open season on, on Ginnivan, which... Yes. You know that was our first little look at what open season on Ginevan Ooh, looks like. Is if okay? It's if, not good. If, if yeah, exactly. If players know, if opposition players know that they won't be paid or won't have Ooh. a free kick given against them, then they'll just sort of they'll ragdoll him around oh. like Redmond did.
1: Um, next one's head, head taken off. Play on. Yeah. So, uh, really interesting watch uh, this one is, and um, they've made their own bet here, the umpies, with yeah. this. Um, you know that if they if they supposedly uh, told at the start of the year about these lifting of the arms and dropping the knees and they never paid them. And all of a sudden, there's a rush of them and they then they start, you know, this is the interpretation. Uh, we've got to start paying it. Well, why weren't you paying at the start of the year? And uh, just watching over the weekend, it looks like the umpires changed the interpretation of virtually every rule in the rule book because uh, I had no idea what they were going to pay next. Um, the classic one was Hawkins pushing the back on Cleary. Come on, give me a spell. Yeah. What's happened to that? So um, i got no idea what they're going to pay at the moment. And I think uh, most of the punters out there are thinking the same thing. So what will happen at the end of the year is they'll have a uh, a review into the umpire. And they need one because it's been talked about too much all year. I listen to a lot of the talk back. And you know, Jordan, I mean, it's the umpire is driving the people crazy. Mm. And they need to have a review into it. It's uh, it's gone down since Hayden Kennedy left uh, running the umpiring department. Then I've got no idea who's in charge now. Um, and uh, I've got no doubt they'll get Jeff Walsh in to do the <laughs> review. He's doing the review on everything at the moment. <laughs> the,
0: so, the king of reviews.
1: <laughs> I reckon it's a Jeff Walsh review on the umpiring
0: <laughs> next up. Is, so is it the umpires or is it the uh, the, the set of rules that they're given?
1: Oh, I think it's the instructions from above. Yeah. So they're only doing what they're told. You know, they said, you're not paying any more of these high freeze, so they didn't pay it. They didn't pay one, I don't think, over the weekend. Mm. Head high, the bloke going in uh, who got met in the head um, getting the ball, they got one, but the tackling ones, I can't remember seeing one. I've watched a fair bit of it. Can't remember seeing one the whole weekend, which is okay. But uh, the dinner one where he. The secondary motion should have been a free kick for sure and certain. But anyway, while we're on that game, um, be pa- be careful what you wish for. Um, I'm going to start with Jordan here with the Grundy. You know the talk about Bollywood uh, keen to keen tr- to trade. Uh, I love the way Cox and uh, Cameron are going. Well, Draper changed that game by himself. I thought yesterday mm. uh, he. Uh, so be careful what you wish for with no Grundy in your team. So uh, Draper wouldn't have been able to do that to Grundy, but he was particularly Cameron he was on most of the time and and, he, and really changed the game. So it got me thinking about all Australians here too and the Ruckman. And I, was, I, I wouldn't have thought Gordon was a lay down was there, here um, Jordan, while we're at it. Uh, but I reckon Draper's a big chance, and Witts is the other one. But really, it's out of those three: Gorn, Witts and Draper. and I'll be interested to see whether they take two, or just go with the one and thinking that their form hasn't been good enough. But um, Draper's certainly in that conversation with Witts and Gorn. I would have thought for all-Australia ruck. So, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Your signal's just breaking up a little. Bit. We can still hear you, Matt, but just breaking up a little yeah. bit. But Draper. I'll at, just move a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Move around I'll a little just bit. Move again. The other thing that uh, that Essendon were, were great at. So let's talk about the Bomber. We've spoken a lot about the Pies already. Yeah. Just on the Bombers, so we'll get to them first, and then Collingwood. But the Bombers, their their middle two quarters, they killed Collingwood in the clearances. They were their midfield has been has has stepped up. Dylan Shield, I thought, was their best midfielder yesterday. I know Zach Merritt had 38 touches, but it was at low efficiency. I thought Shield was was um, was decisive with with how he was playing his football. He was uh, incisive with how he was getting the ball up up the ground as well. Um, yeah, and no. a lot of their role players around the ground too played played their part, but uh, but it was out of the middle that they were doing so well.
1: Uh, they were they were great, weren't they? Um, and, and had plenty of options. Their, their biggest problem is at the moment, you know, relying on uh, Wright and Jones. Jones is going to be a, a you know, he's a future star, obviously. Um, he's still a young kid playing in that sort of second key role. Really, he's more uh, through to the third. Yeah. But what they really miss is a, is a really gunned small forward. They haven't got one. Since people
0: retired, they miss him badly. Um, So... um... I think you might have just broken up there, Matt. Oh, you've dropped off the line. I'll get uh, Lincoln to call you again. The other one was Will Snelling, just in the meantime as we get Matt Randall back up. But Will Snelling, I was surprised to see... So he's only played, I think, six games this season, but hasn't scored a goal yet, Snelling. He's gone goalless this season. He's he's the only other real uh, specialist small forward in that side at the moment. Um, Devin Smith is also out as well. But, yeah, I agree with with Matt's point There is McDonald, uh, McDonald, Tip and Woody being out of that team has, has left a big hole in the uh, in the Essendon forward line as we get Matt Randell back up on the line. Matt, we got you?
1: Yep. Yeah, sorry, I don't know what happened there. Just cut straight out. So oh. um, I don't know what you, you got in the end, but I was, I was saying they missed badly a small forward. And, and they need a... Look, they got a really good young key back in Jack Reed. But <clears throat> I think if they're going to uh, cause some havoc next year, and I think they can... They need to try and get a, a senior key back in. Mm-hmm. James Stewart did a really admirable job last year, but hasn't been about this year. I'm not sure why he's been injured most of the year. Uh, but they've shown that I think they had a really poor pre season and paid the price. But they've shown what they can do. They should really challenge the eight next year, should make the eight, I would have thought, uh, with any luck with injury. So that was a great game. And uh, love the way, and this is what they've been doing all year, Collingwood, but <clears throat> love the way that. Chris just took off like a madman from the fence yeah. through the middle, had really no idea what was going to happen. He just took off and ends up with a goal to Carmichael and gives him some hope. You've got to love that stuff. Huh? The footy's great to watch at the moment, especially when you see that sort of stuff. So that kind um, of... Brilliance and,
0: those kind of traits, is that I felt like experience was what really kept Collingwood in, in, in good shape in that last quarter. What What was crucial to them... Getting over the top of the bombers in that last term.
1: Uh, yeah, well, look, Chris has played a lot of footy there. Now he's had a he's had a great year in Penrith and so they went super yesterday. Uh, you know, they got beaten in the midfield for the mm. majority of the game. I, I mean, I look, I, I tell you what, I, I look, I no one said anything, but I was watching quarter time, and there was, geez, there was a lot of joviality from the Collingwood people and laughing and carrying on and. You know, if I was a coach looking at that uh, on the opposition, I'd be pointing that out uh, to the opposition. I don't know if Rutten did it with his troops at quarter time, but um, I thought, ah, a bit too happy with themselves here. Collingwood, you know, after that first quarter, six to nothing, really no pressure. Um, you know, goal of the year, contender, and, and uh, I thought, yeah, if I'm the opposition, it would have got my back up. And uh, I think it got Essendon's back up and they got a bit of a surprise, Collingwood. So uh, don't take anything for granted. You've got to pump up and knuckle down again and, uh, until the game is secured. But, um, yeah, it was a great game to watch and exciting all the way through.
0: One last one on this one and a, and a smaller point, but a, a crucial point as it turned out was, so Collingwood's recruiting and how they've used the mid-season draft, those two mid-season mm. draftees, uh, you know, were... were changed the game for them in a way. Ash Johnson, who was last year's mid-season draft, yep. kicked three goals in the first quarter and then was involved in in link-up play and score <laughs> involvement in the last term to win, that, win the game. And then Josh Carmichael was unreal. He kicked a long goal from outside 50, two goals <laughs> in the last quarter. And his intensity, he well, came on like he'd been playing the whole match and, and matched the intensity of the game as soon as he was subbed in. And
1: he's like a bloke from Hawthorne, isn't he? Very similar traits. Um, those hard nuts have a crack in the middle. Uh, there's always a place for him. Uh, you know, he goes forward, kicks two goals. Um, look, he's done a super job, very kind. Johnny Noble, uh, Carmichael and Ash Johnson. I was really surprised Ash Johnson went so late. Oh, he might've been early last year, was he? I, I, in the mid-season draft. But um, he, I thought he might've got picked the year before in the draft. Um, a gentleman called Shane Radbone and his wife bought three players down from um, Creek, you know, it's in the middle of nowhere of WA where Petreski Seaton's from as well. And those three, three players are Shane McAdam, Ash Johnson, who are brothers, Mm uh, same mother, different fathers and, and Joe Farrar, who's gone to the Gold Coast. So big credits to, uh, I think the mother might've had a connection there with the Aboriginal community up in there was basically all Aboriginal. So, um, Absolutely outstanding story. That's got no credit for the for the Redbone family. I hope they're getting some some love in Adelaide uh, for having done that. And um, you know, he put. I think Jai Ferrar went to. They got him into college in South Australia too. So something I spoke about ten years ago. And got a little trouble for. So um, uh, yeah, all credit there. Oh yeah, they look a play. He looks a play. He broke his finger. That's right. He got picked in mid-season dra- draft last year and broke his finger and basically missed all the rest of the year. Asked Johnson. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, they've got a couple of players, haven't they? So they've done well with the fringe players at Collingwood, Decker, you know, after being in all sorts of trouble, um, you know, with the fire sale that they had, Ache, Traor, uh, Stevenson and Phillips. And they've sort of recovered their position really well, really quickly.
0: Uh, a word on Geelong. So they were involved, the best team in the league right now, top of the table, involved in a in a, in a tussle on Saturday. Against Port yeah. Adelaide and had to overcome them late with uh, with late goals in the last five minutes to win. They were challenged. Port Adelaide have, have been a have been a thorn in most teams' mm. side uh, in the second half of the season. But Geelong, I guess, uh, I guess that's what um, what a good team is made of is getting up in those wins away from home.
1: Yeah, great game of footy too. It was a super game of footy, and uh, you know Port had their chance. They stormed over the top. They really didn't need the three-quarter time break to tell you the truth. Um, so it gave Cats a chance to. Uh, Gather themselves again, and look, I'm talking about a few players. The players I've spoken about so far, and the players I'm going to talk about here, all very similar traits. Jordan, uh, Dixon, and Pal Pepper turned the tide in this game, and Atkins turned it back the other way. So these are these are players, and the ones I spoke about before, you know, even Grumpy didn't pl- Grundy didn't play, but Chris you know, Draper, they play for keeps. Um... Well, that's what footy's about. They have a crack. Uh, they've come from nowhere. They've missed being picked up in drafts and they've got their opportunity and they just come to play week in, week out and they play with a real will to win. Uh, I'm just wrapped for these these players and, and, and how well they're going. Uh, we've hardly spoken about the class acts of the AFL. It's all around these type of players and these are the type of players who win your grand finals. Um, great game of footy Uh, looked in control Uh, Port coughed this one up there's no doubt about that. they should have won this they gave away far too many easy goals to the opposition a mon in the first corner and then right on half time Burton he never misses a target Um, put it down uh, I can't remember whose throat it was and he just put it back over his head for a goal Um, gave up you can't give up too many easy goals against teams like Geelong expect to win and have won they'll be really annoyed
0: and then a word on the race for the eight. So right now it's the Dogs who sit in uh, yeah. in, in front spot. Uh, one week is a long time in football. They've gone up into eighth position, yeah. but really it's it's not just one week. It's the accumulation of of the last four, yeah. five, six games with those teams. Richmond only one win in their last four. The Dogs have won four of their last six. St Kilda have lost five of their la- or um, have one have lost what is it now five of their last seven. Um, so the Dogs have the form and they have the position right now. Are they all favourites to to make the eight?
1: Well,
0: look I. You,
1: I don't know if you've got the draw in. Do they play each other at all? Bulldogs, Richmond, Saints in the last four weeks? I, no, they don't. I haven't got the... So, they, okay, so they, they, there's not an eight-point game in there anyway. So, um, look, without seeing the draw, I mean, the the thing about the Bulldogs is they've got a couple of crucial players back. English, massive, and, and Bruce in the forward line gives uh, Norton a chop out as well. So... Um, couple of crucial ins for them. I look that was a oh, I didn't see the whole game I was um I didn't see it, it was out but I watched the mini and it was really open and free flowing. Probably not a Melbourne type of game. But their biggest problem is Melbourne at the moment, their forward line's not functioning at all. Um, you know, there's a heavy reliance on French to kick a lot of their goals. I know Pickett kicked six the week before but it's been Fritz most of the year. They can't get anything. Weidman, I know Weidman kicked a couple, but um, you know the Brown Weederman and no Tom McDonald has really hurt him.
0: Matt, it's always a pleasure to speak to you on a on a Monday night recapping some of the big points in footy. Thank you for joining us, mate. We'll uh, chat again next week.
1: No, it's your wooden pleasure. See you Sunday.
0: Matt Rendell with us on uh, Macca's Run, and uh, as he just pointed out, the that footy essay as well, you can check him out on a on a Sunday. Uh, into South Australia. 0433 98 If you'd like to send through a text on the Temper text, Temper, a mattress like no other, you can give us a call as well. 1300 736 736 for Harcourts, your move, your Harcourts. Get thinking because on the other side of this, we'll get into our heroes and villains. So get, um, get thinking, get nominating who your hero of the weekend was. If you have a couple, send all of them through. If you've got a handful, you've got a 321 maybe, and some villains as well. We'll do that uh, on the other side of, uh, of 7 o'clock into the sporting capital. And we'll talk a bit of Formula One as well later on because we're at the half, or just past the halfway mark of the season. So we'll recap what happened in France last night uh, into uh, earlier this morning. But uh, footy chat uh, coming up still with uh, your heroes and villains. Some of the uh, the big things that were said today on the station. We'll get to that as well uh, here on the Maccas run. All thanks to Maccas Tri-Classic Angers at Maccas today. Welcome to the Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves. With special sauce and juicy beef, grab the one and only Big Mac at
1: Macca's today.
0: Jordan Canellis with you here on the Macca's Run, filling in for Sam Hargraves uh, while he's uh, at home with New bub. Uh, try a classic Angus at Maccas today. Hargraves will be with you uh, in a couple of weeks again uh, on the Maccas run. 0433 98 If you'd like to send through a text, thanks to Temper, a mattress like no other. 1300 736 736 to call us for Harcourt's for all things real estate. Speak to Harcourt's. Uh, sporting Capital coming up in just a moment. Uh, plenty of text messages coming through. Chris says Bianco's 40 metre pass to Elliot was a ripper. Um, uh, Travis says Draper wasn't as good earlier in the year Wits Darcy and Gorn for the first ruck position in the All-Australian team Blitzarves on the bench as a second ruck forward slash uh, anywhere position he is the ultimate utility player Swiss Army Knife player Mark Blitzarves and Chris says uh, DeGoy will improve Collingwood's clearances when he comes back into the team your thoughts on the footy continuing after this who are your heroes and villains that's up next on the Sporting Capital